Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Please stay tuned to everything that's going on out there in the Philadelphia area. They do got a lot of things going on right now. I'm a little upset with Philadelphia as they took out my thunder yesterday, but <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. We got a whole show to get into. Uh, I'm going to do the quick stuff first before the kitchen starts to fill in. Um, there was a match, boxing between David Benavidez and Demetrius Boo Boo Andrade, or Andre, the way that he pronounces it. Um, this this was one of the better character fights set up that I've seen in a while. And um, good thing about this fight that everybody got out of the, the ring with decent health and so on and so forth, but it was stopped in the sixth round technical knockout uh the corner basically waved it off as the ref kept warning uh Demetrius that he needed to see him fight or he's going to stop it and um the way that that fight looked I'd rather see him get knocked down again cuz he got knocked down but it, he, this guy was putting up a good fight and even when he told him that he wanted to see more it was like he was playing peekaboo with him like 
letting him throw his barrage of punches and then come back and then surprise David Benavidez. But nevertheless, uh, David Benavidez won the fight. Uh, he's clearly looking like the best at 168. I know a lot of people are trying to set up the situation at the 168-pound uh, region to get Canelo and him to fight. The one thing about this fight is I want it to happen. I'm tired of Canelo cherry-picking, and then they picked on all of the big-name boxers before him from Floyd on up. All of them had to make a name and fight in a decent fight, and I think Canelo needs to have this fight to either make this a mega fight and, and get a whole bunch of money out of this or beat Benavidez and, and be the David beating Goliath situation or, you know, this could possibly spell the end of Canelo's run if he were to lose this type of fight to Benavidez because he, he lost recently to Bavall uh, a year or two ago. So this would be very interesting to see how this fight is to end up panning out. I don't want them to wait too long. I don't want them to push this all the way to 2025 because we're in front of 2024 people. So um, I don't want this to go into the next two years or so. Knowing Canelo, he likes to fight either – this, he, he'll fight the Floyd Mayweather schedule either in May and September. I think September is around his like birthday, so he'll fight in September. But don't push it nine months. Like don't let everybody get ring rust. Let this be a a fight that has his hoopla. People are still somewhat crisp, and and Canelo's getting up there too. Uh, I think Canelo's like 34 years old too. So you have to watch that. Even though um, David Benavides is the younger fighter. And, and the bigger fighter at that too, so it's, it's a it's a risk for Canelo. But that's that warrior gladiator situation with this fight going down. Hopefully they could make this thing happen as soon as possible. I know the way that David Benavidez was promoting it in that fight, boxing, WBC, whoever was in front of this, you heard the crowd. He wasn't even trying to talk. Like, yeah, I'm calling you. He just said, do you guys want to see it? And the crowd went crazy like Michael Jackson did the moonwalk. Like, so hopefully they could put this together. I think this will be an ideal fight, at least for me, because uh, this is a challenge. There's another challenge for Canelo that I'd love to see. Canelo's a fan favorite and a cash cow in a boxing region. And uh, hope, hopefully uh, this could actually move the needle for David Benavides because everybody Benavides is fighting. He is taking care of him, getting him out of there. So, um we don't know how long that lasts in the tooth to, you know, more or less get these guys in front of him that want to fight him. And just like Demetrius was saying after the fight, he's like, nobody wants to fight him. Nobody wants to fight me. So we fought each other and made this fight happen. And to me, to be honest, whether it's a six-round fight or not, and they got stopped by the ref, that was a good fight. That was a good fight last night. I give Demetrius Andrade a lot of credit uh, for him going toe-to-toe and throwing some good blows that he could with Benavidez, but once Benavidez started to get his steam, it was it was over. He really is the monster. He, to, to be a, a good, solid six feet, and, and they both were basically like the same height. It's just he's imposing when he's in the ring. Okay, so I do have people here. I wasn't looking at the board. Calling in from the Midwest region of the United States of America. I have Michael Harvey in the building. Welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Man, I'm good. How about yourself? Doing all right, trying to get the show kicked off right. Um, did you hear anything about this fight, or I'll, I'll proceed to move around? Yeah, no, I was impressed with uh, Benavidez and Andrade. A lot of people, like you said, a lot of people ducked both of them. <clears throat> you know, Benavidez has lost 
two uh, titles twice, and neither one of them were in the ring. Once was for uh, a failed drug test and another time for missing weight. But it looks like he's got all that behind him now. Um, he has put up two really impressive performances this year from his uh, fight against Caleb Plant earlier in the year to what he did this time out. Uh, I think that's a logical fight with him and Canelo. And, and uh, Listen, I know there are a lot of people out there, huge fans of Canelo, but um, the way Benavides brings heat, like uh, this would be a very, very, very entertaining fight for sure. Um, but good fight last night. And like you said, Six rounds, but a very uh, entertaining, entertaining fight. And I would dare say more entertaining than some fights. And we've seen high-profile fights have gone the full 12. So, uh, you know, that to me that was a good statement for the sport of boxing last night. Well, hopefully they could get this, this fight to materialize between Benavidez and Canelo. Do you think that would happen? Did you hear the response at the end of the fight when they were doing a presser at the end of the fight and uh, how people kind of responded to the way Benavidez was trying to sell that fight? Yeah, I, I do. And I, I think the only way it's not going to happen is if Canelo tries to duck it. Um, you know, we talked about uh, Canelo in the past and not taking some fights. But, uh, you, you know, I, I think Benavidez is ready for the fight, which we heard last night. And I think it's the logical next step in his career, so hopefully Canelo takes it and we can see it. Uh, I would love to see this for Cinco de Mayo. That's, that's what I'm figuring. I know that that's when Canelo will try to lift this fight. It's probably like May or September. I don't want it to be pushed to September. Like, like make it happen as soon as possible. And Even though I know May is a little stretch out, uh, but I don't want them to get ring rust, but the younger fighter is David Benavidez, so it's like how long does Canelo get to survive to push these fights months on end? It, 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 he really escapes a lot of, you know, those fights that go back to back. He'll fight one fight a year. Um, and hopefully he could put together a two-fight year. Um, people want to see more of him before his career ends. He's in the middle of his 30s now. He's, he's not young anymore. And he's still a big name in boxing. And, and uh, Benavidez know he needs this fight to try to kind of solidify himself and knowing that, uh, Canelo's undisputed at this time. He could definitely make a big name for himself. Okay, so I'm going to get away from this because, boy, oh, boy, things are going to get ugly, Sports City. Um, this is rivalry week in college football. And um, I'm going to try and get to the scores, but there's going to be some games in depth that I know that we're going to be talking about. So as of this week, week 13 in college football, Thursday night, Ole Miss played Mississippi State, won the match of 17-7. Friday comes around, this is the day after Thanksgiving, uh, Oregon knocks off Oregon State 31-7. Texas beats Texas Tech 57-7 in a blowout. Missouri blows out Arkansas 48-14, in which before that score, he got 14 points on the board for Arkansas at home. Missouri was up 40 to nothing. In this game, this was a clear runaway. Missouri's really trying to make a name for themselves as a recent history, and they're a top-10 team at this point in time, too. Penn State shuts out Michigan State 42-0. And he's Lansing. Uh, Oklahoma bruises TCU 69-45. Iowa knocks off Nebraska at home 13-10, in which Iowa forces their way to a Big Ten championship. 
again, but um, we all know how that's going to go. I Well, I know I can. If if I was a millionaire, I know what I'm doing. Um, and rounding out Friday. We all know. We all know. <laughs> Tulane beats uh, Texas San Antonio uh, 29-16. Saturday comes around, and here goes the bells and whistles. Georgia beats Georgia Tech 31-23. The score looks close, but I don't – if Georgia, I think feel like I feel like Georgia wanted to turn it on. They could have. Um, the game, Ohio State loses their third game in a row to the Michigan Wolverines 30-24. Um I'm going to come back to that. I got it. I can't just run by it. And I got I got to do that. I'm coming back. Uh, Washington pulls this off 24 to 21 in their in-state battle up against the, the Cougars finishing the run of this table. Michael Penix jr. I got to come back. There's a lot of conversation going on right here for me. At least I'm going to start. I'm going to spark it up. Don't worry. Sports city. I got it. The next matchup was another in-state battle. Florida State beats Florida 24 to 15, in which Florida made this interesting late. Florida State just pulled away and put some more points on the board uh, as they were facing a 15-14 deficit and shut Florida down at the end of the game, 24 to 15. Alabama with the uh, how do I do this? <laughs> Fourth City, this 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 is pandemonium. This <laughs> is this is ridiculousness. Um, Alabama wins their matchup in the Iron Bowl, 27-24. to 24. I um, could never expect a game to end like this and to see the shock of everybody in Auburn. Oh, my goodness. Um, Vaughn, the receiver, making a catch on a fourth and, like, 31 for fourth and goal. They had to score the touchdown. They got it done. Um, I don't understand how that corner let him get that space to get that catch. Um, Milrose a hero at this point in time after all of the blunders that they were going through to keep going backwards and backwards and backwards and pull them out of the red zone and still made the touchdown happen. We will dig into that. I'm not running away from that. I just want to get to these scores. Um, Kentucky with the upset in Louisville, knocking them off 38-31, to 31, in which Stoop said that he's staying in Kentucky at that. Uh, LSU knocks off Texas and them 42-30. to 30. LSU had a tough game early. Texas A&M was winning early, and then LSU ended up turning this thing on. This makes it interesting for Jaden Daniels, too, as the Heisman approaches to seeing if he's one of the names that uh, will get mentioned or if he could get the vote, as uh, Mike had warned us. But I know this is a very interesting quarterback trophy at this point in time because all of them are balling. Arizona and Arizona State matchup. Arizona blows out Arizona State 59-23. Notre Dame. Blows out Stanford, 56-23 to in California. Iowa State knocked up Kansas State, 42-35. to Upsetting season for the Wildcats. It's very upsetting. Uh, Oklahoma State with a, a shocking ending to this game. Uh, beats BYU, 40-34 to in double overtime, uh, recovering a fumble late in that game. Oklahoma State survives. Um uh, Tennessee knocked off the built, no surprise there, 48-24. to 24. North Carolina State with the upset. Well, I can't even really call it upset because they're ranked. But the Wolfpack knock off North Carolina 39-20 uh, in Raleigh. Clemson survived South Carolina 16-7 in a low-scoring event. And round out the top 25 is Liberty knocking off UTEP 42-28. to 28. Now, of course, there's a lot here. 
I mean, there is food all over this doggone kitchen, and it's just like Thanksgiving. So hopefully you guys could dig on in. Now, I'm going to start from the game. Um, Michigan advances. Michigan is going to probably end up being, they are going to be the two seed in the nation. Ohio State, I don't know where they fall to. This is going to be interesting how the committee looks at this. Um, McCord, their quarterback, is somebody I had a problem with for a while. I had a problem with him for a while, and uh, his play in this game is what I think felt like it, it shook up Ohio State and made it tough for them. Uh, Michigan definitely put the pressure on him in that last throw where he threw the interception. They got them trying to make a back foot throw, and they picked him off. Um, I wonder if this loss hurts Marvin Harrison Jr. for the Heisman. He was in the running for the Heisman, and I don't know if if his name remains there uh, after this loss, but he has an incredible season. Um, He didn't have that many catches, but he still ended up having 100 yards receiving and a touchdown in this game also. Um, I have to give Michigan their credit. Their defense showed up for what they could do with Ohio State, and um, their offense is balanced enough to get this game handled. Uh, From Blake Corum to J.J. McCarthy, McCarthy made a critical pass across his chest, across the field. If that play didn't get picked off, boy, that would have hurt them. McCarthy would have been hearing it. But he completed that pass. I mean, there are so many different interesting twists in terms of this game. This is one of the epic ones. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the game in Ann Arbor? You know, I think that Michigan's roster is built to beat Ohio State. I think they're more physical. And, you know, they had to make some plays. But I, I agree with you. I question uh, Kyle McCord and what he brings to this offense as a quarterback, especially looking at how dynamic they've been at the quarterback position with the last couple of quarterbacks that they've had there. And I think there's a drop-off in talent from, obviously, Stroud and even probably Justin Fields to uh, Kyle McCord. Uh, you know, Marvin Harrison with a great year to me, one of the best two receivers in the country, uh, probably the best. Uh, but like I said, I, I think Ohio State is more built. I mean, Michigan is built to beat Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State tends to, if they get enough quarterback play, have more of a well-balanced roster. But Michigan's just, they've been able to beat them over these last couple of years at the line of scrimmage. Now, you know, Ohio State did close the gap this year. Uh, like you said, this is a six-point game. And to me, the the interesting piece to this is uh, once we go to this weekend, I mean, obviously Michigan plays Iowa. And you mentioned the, the college playoff. Where does Ohio State get sort of ranked? And then what happens, you know, this weekend? if one of the conference, one of the undefeated teams gets knocked off in the conference championship game, does this still put Ohio State in the in the playoff discussion? Uh, it, it becomes really uh, kind of dicey there. But, you know, listen, for all the, for all the, the drama surrounding this Michigan program this year uh, and all the controversy, you know, with the science stealing and everything else and the coach not on the sidelines, uh, this team, you know, took care of business and did what they needed to do to get out of there with a win. 
this is going to be very interesting. I don't feel like Iowa has any chance in that Big Ten championship game at all. They don't score points at all. Um, I feel like Michigan could end up knocking the doors off the hinges in that game unless Las Vegas gets involved. Uh, this is a, an impressive season for Michigan, especially for the way that they have to do it with Harbaugh being out and now coming back. I know they're going to be charged up more than ever for that Big Ten championship. Uh, it's tough that Ohio State has this type of run, and all of the, a lot of the wins that they had, they had to make those comebacks and make it interesting to pull it off. They just couldn't do it at the end of the game up against Michigan, which they had their opportunity, but the pick was thrown, and uh, that sealed the deal at the end of the day. We will see how that pans out. The next one I do want to get to, um, I'm starting trouble, Sports City. I have to do it. Michael Penix, Heisman. The crazy reason why I say this is that Washington, we didn't expect them to run this table. Nobody expected that. Nobody expected them to win ugly. Nobody expected them to win big. Nobody expected them to go toe-to-toe with all these teams. They won every single way and facet that they could, and he's the he's the, the locomotive in that offense. Uh, getting it done, and he's I, – I, to me, I'm going to be honest, I don't even feel like he's getting the credit that he needs to get. Like, they talk about him, but um, Washington is doing this in the Pac-12, and people don't talk about the Huskies like they're talking about Oregon. They're not talking about the Huskies like they're talking about Georgia. They're not talking about, you know, the, the teams that are supposedly – needed to be doing better than them at this point in time, and they knocked off Oregon. Even though that game took place in Washington, they ended up beating them. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this championship, you know, conference situation goes down. But he's doing a great job, impressive enough, that he couldn't even watch the end of the game. Uh, he got them in, you know, field goal range and just turned his back to the game so he couldn't even see, and they nailed the kick and won this game for the state rivalry up against Washington State. Washington State definitely made this a game. Um, your thoughts on the run that the Washington Huskies are on, um, knowing that you have a favorable situation with uh, Jaden Daniels in this discussion, Bo Nix, like I mentioned, with Oregon, Michael Penix. I know Shador's fell off how bad Colorado ended, uh, even though they started out pretty impressive with a couple of wins. Uh, like I mentioned also a little bit of, a while ago with uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., that loss may hurt him. Is there another name that squeezes in there? Your thoughts on what's going on out in the Northwest region of the United States? No, to me, so is it to me it's those three names for the Heisman, in my opinion. It's Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and Jaden Daniels, right? Uh, now, I think what has happened is, and at the end of the day, Washington's won all their games. They're undefeated. This hasn't happened very often for the Washington Huskies. Uh, and Michael Penix gets a lot of the credit for that. That Oregon-Washington game was really close until late. It could have gone either way. I think that what has happened, uh, TV, because until last week, Washington was five. It, it took Jordan Travis going down for Washington to move up and take the four spot uh, in the playoff rankings uh, last weekend. So, to me, I, I think that when you look at the way Oregon has been laying waste to their opponents uh, since that Washington game, and you look at how most Washington's played a lot of games close, I think that's why a lot of people really believe uh, that Oregon uh, is going to be favored 
in this rematch uh, for this Pac-12 championship game. This is a, a, a very interesting dynamic for this Pac-12, though, because this is as good as this league has been in a while. And, you know, listen, if Washington wins, their path is clear uh, to the playoffs. They'll be one of the four teams in. Uh, if Oregon wins the rematch, it really – that's where it gets real, real sticky, right, as far as uh, who ends up there. Because then we're going to see uh, how this gets weighed out because you'll have a one-loss Oregon team, a one-loss Washington team, and a one-loss Ohio State team, all trying to, you know, get into those last couple playoff spots. Uh, so it'll be real interesting to see how it comes out. At the end of the day, uh, Jaden Daniels' resume is complete. He's turned his in. Uh, the polls have closed for him. Uh, and these two guys, Penix and Nix, both have one more chapter uh, to pin uh, before the, the final Heisman vote has to be done. So, uh, you know, next weekend, I believe it's going to be on Friday night, if I'm not mistaken, the Pac-12 championship game. Uh so next weekend, these guys have a chance to, like I said, pin that final chapter and make their last case for Heisman and make a case for the their teams to make the conference championship game. And to me, I mean, to make the college football playoffs. And to me, out of all the conference championship games to happen coming up this weekend, this is the must-see game. Uh, this is the one that, that I'm really circling and want to make sure to be able to settle in and watch. And I don't know that we've said that about the Pac-12 since they started this championship game format, TP. Uh, I don't know that we've really said, like, you've got to see this game. But to me, this is the must-see. Like, if, I, if I'm ranking uh, the conference championship games and all the games coming up this next weekend, this is by far and away number one on my list. I can't wait for it, and the crazy part about this is I may show my hand, Sports City. I, you know, I'll I play cards and dice and stuff like that. I want Washington to win. Oregon's been here eating year after year, especially with Crystal Ball was up there and, uh, you know, with Kelly up there calling calls. Oregon has been successful throughout the, the past decade or so, at least showing up or being somewhere near the Richter scale. Washington is doing this, and none of us really thought they could do it, especially with Penix making a transition from the Big Ten to the Pac-12 and making a name for himself and definitely uh, probably one of the big names going into this draft, that's for sure. I want them to get it done again. Uh, hopefully the, the Washington Husky crowd and fans travel to where that game is because I feel like that's going to be big going up against Oregon. They they pulled it off, and it was like uh, – Whoever had the ball last was going to win that game. And Washington did take care of business winning that game late. Um, they they got to do it again. They have to prove that they are the better team in the Pac-12. And a lot of people see how Oregon is able to put up points in a hurry. Like I said earlier, Washington has been able to score with the best of them. They've been able to win nasty. They've been able to win late, pull the score out. They've been doing it all. And this is one of those you know, remember the Titans-type stories, and, and hopefully uh, Penix could uh, make a name for himself and uh, pull this off. If he does, if he could knock off Oregon, feel that for the state of Washington, to, to bring him that trophy for real, because he, he's doing a lot um, to help carry this team, that is for sure. Okay. They're playing in Vegas. The, 
Hopefully they travel. If they hopefully they can get down there, that that'll be a good thing. The um, the next game I wanted to get to the Alabama Auburn situation. There is something about the mystique of the Iron Bowl. I rem- and uh, I remember talking to a couple of my friends about it when it was when they went after the aftermath happened because I didn't see the play. I turned away and then they said he freaking scored. I'm like you're lying. And then when I thought of that, I thought about years ago. When um, Alabama kicked the field goal, missed, and Auburn ran it back all the way in. And this was Cam Newton's, I think, senior year, if I'm not mistaken. And they won the game yeah, late off of like the 101 kick return from the, uh, you know, inside the end zone and got all the way to the house. And it's like the mystique for that matchup in the state of Alabama is just so crazy. For this play to happen, fourth and goal from the 31 yard line. And just to see the dynamic of Monroe sit back there, be patient. Uh, one, Auburn, your defensive line, or you guys didn't send any blitz. One spy could come after him. Y'all let him sit back there and get the time to get the receivers in the end zone and make a, a decent throw, not even a Hail Mary type of throw. And it was on the money. Like, like there's a lot of questions that need to happen. And then thinking of every single college football game in the history that have come down to the last second like that and watching everybody be in shock. Like, like just like I said, that game with uh, Auburn versus Alabama, that was a shocker, but everybody in Auburn was going crazy that day. Then thinking about the game against Michigan State, Michigan, the block punt, and uh, the way that everybody in Ann Arbor just froze because Michigan State stole that game and just looking at the shock in everybody's faces. Looking at everybody in Jordan Hare, like, it was like, whoa, like, Emotion, emotional is an understatement. People were crying left and right because they did not expect to lose that game, and I don't blame them, not one bit. This is this is the best feature of sports or how this stuff can go down. Um, I got to tip my hat to Nick Saban and having these guys ready for that moment because a lot of teams would have just packed it up and just heaved the Hail Mary and, and that have been that. They literally set up that play to make it happen, and, and I got to give them credit for that. Auburn, you guys were close to making so much drama happen, but um, Alabama does end up prevailing. Mike, your thoughts on the game and, and how it ended? So the crazy thing is, too, like Auburn just came off of a three-touchdown loss to New Mexico State uh, last weekend. And – to me, Hugh Freeze in his first year at Auburn, he was this close to a signature win. Like, listen, they knew there was a rebuild that needed to go on at Auburn. They knew that uh, the last guy they brought in there, that Brian Harson wasn't the guy, and that some work needed to be done. There were times that Auburn was really competitive this year. But after they dropped that game last weekend, uh, you know, a lot of people really thought this is going to be a cakewalk for Alabama. But to your point a second ago, you you called it. It's rivalry weekend. You know, these guys all know each other. A lot of them played together in high school that are playing on opposite sides now. Uh, These guys know each other. There's a lot of, uh, especially you're talking about kids, uh, these rivalry weekend games a lot of times are – like just the competitiveness is crazy and 
Yeah, it was uh, the game that you're referring to was the year that Florida State won uh, against Auburn in the national title game. Nick Marshall was the quarterback that year when Chris Davis had to kick six, <clears throat> the picked that ball up in the back of the end zone and ran it back. And that's kind of the first thing that I thought is for Alabama fans, this was kind of their retribution for that day. But, I mean, how often do you see a fourth and 31? I think McNabb pulled one off in the NFL many years ago uh, to keep a drive alive for them to win a game. But but you're right. I mean, this is one of those crazy endings to a game. It, it, it puts you – you know, it makes you think of the Cordell Stewart to Michael Westbrook play or, you know, those kind of crazy endings, the LSU game at the end against Kentucky, uh, you know, in Lexington many years ago. It, it's just a crazy play. Uh, all I know is Nick Saban, Alabama, uh, they living right. I don't know uh, what prayers Nick Saban said or whatever, man, but, like, Somehow uh, they happened to pull this game out. Uh, and, I mean, you know, they, they had the ball. They had – they were on the seven-yard line. They had first and goal from, like, the seven or eight-yard line. And like you said, kept going backwards, a sack, a bad snap. that they had to, uh, Milbro had to chase down. I mean, looking at how crazy this thing turned out. And then, uh, to your point, I don't understand how – you let that guy go, how he even has that space in the end zone. Grab him, hold him, something, whatever you got to do just to make him uh, have to come back and punch that in. But uh, what a crazy play on fourth and 31, and and they pull that out. So, you know, Alabama, listen, after after losing to Texas, uh, they really kind of put it back together. It really looked pretty convincing in almost every other game they played until yesterday, but they definitely found a way to survive in advance. They would have been in the conference championship game either way, but boy, that was definitely uh, that was definitely exciting and a much more thrilling Iron Bowl game than a lot of people expected. And that's why they say, man, when it, you know it sounds like a cliche, but that's why they say, man, when it comes to rivalry games, you could throw the records out the window. Uh, you definitely could in this game, and it was it was definitely worth the price of admission. And just like those people in Jordan Hare went crazy ten years ago when uh, Chris Davis had that kick uh, had that return. They called it the kick six uh, for the the touchdown, and they were elated. They were every bit as shocked uh, when this happened yesterday. But this is why we follow and love sports, man. For moments like this. Who do you favor in the SEC championship game? I I favor Georgia, man. I I just feel like every time, every time this year when we start to think, well, maybe Georgia's slipping, maybe somebody can kind of test them. Uh, they find a way to remind us, you know, I am him. And so, to me, I I do favor Georgia, uh, but I I, I will say. I will say Alabama, Nick Saban, Alabama will come prepared for this game. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an easy win, and it wouldn't shock me <clears throat> if it went the other way, but I favor Georgia. 
it would be so crazy if Alabama pulled that game out and knocked off Georgia. That would be nuts. And if they could figure out a way to slow down Bowers, if Bowers is able to go, I do want to see this uh, go down. That is for sure. Okay, so Sports City, um, is Mike, is there any other game or thing that you'd like to talk about, college, before we get away from it? Nah, real quick, uh, you know, you, you mentioned LSU earlier. Uh, that Texas A&M defense uh, played pretty well yesterday. Uh, kind of kept Jaden Daniels down a little bit, but you can't keep him down forever. Uh, you know, they were able to come back, score multiple touchdowns, and uh, all the good receivers that we've seen come out of LSU. Uh, how about Malik Neighbors now has set a school record for most catches in a career with 186 catches. Malik Neighbors had a, a extremely uh, a really really good year uh, this year for LSU at the wide receiver position. So uh, you know we we talk about Marvin Harrison how great he is and and you will never hear me deny uh, the prowess of Maserati Marvin, as, as Rodri always likes to say, uh, but Malik Neighbors is is very talented in his own right at the wide receiver position. Is he in the running for the Heisman? Is that the question? No, I mean he's in the running for the Belichick, but I think Marvin Harrison gets it on name. But he's not in the running for the Heisman. To me, that they're going to be they're they're going to push all their chips in and try to campaign for Jaden. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, so for City, we are in front of NFL Week 12. Is this 12? Yeah, this is Week 12. The caller number is 929-477-2759. We're going to get through this as best as we can. Um, In which this is Thanksgiving week, so we had games that went down not only on Thanksgiving Day, but also there was the first Black Friday game as well. So the first game on Thanksgiving was the Packers knocking off the Detroit Lions 29-22 to in Ford Field, uh, a game in which Jared Goff looked bad. Jared Goff has definitely turned the ball over in the past two games, questionably enough, five times altogether. Um, well, really six altogether. I really want to put together one of them other turnovers too. But I'll say six. Um, this has become a problem at this point in time. The last two games, one he won late, and this one he tried to pull it out and they couldn't. It was too too little, too late at that point in time. The Lions fall short to the Green Bay Packers. The follow-up game behind it was a bruiser. The Dallas Cowboys knock off the Washington Commanders, forty-five to ten, in which right after the game, the Commanders fired Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator. I'm wondering how long did that have to last as everybody in that organization was complaining about Del Rio from the past couple of seasons. But it happened after their big rivalry up against the Cowboys, and um, they're they're really doing a complete overhaul in D.C. In the round out, the Thursday matchups, the 49ers knock off the Seahawks pretty badly, 31-13 in Seattle, uh, in which everything was working as that offense is coming back together. They're healing. Uh, Debo, McCaffrey, and Kittle also had good games in this game, and Purdy is coming back to the form that he once was before all of the injuries started happening. Then Friday comes around, Cole Nelly. The Dolphins win this matchup 34-13, in which I've seen this before. 
because I'm a Detroit Lions fan. You guys know it. I know who Tim Boyle is. I know who he is. He is not a good quarterback. The Jets brought him in, and he looked just as bad. I don't want to say worse, but he looked just as bad as Zach Wilson. There are issues offensively. I I really feel Hackett has this at his feet. He has been dodging a lot of bullets. They've been putting a lot of this blame on Zach Wilson. If Zach can't get it done with that offense, then Boyle can't get it done with that offense. That offense looks bad at this point in time. Who else do they blame? Yeah, I get it. Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be running the show. He's supposed to be, but he's not coming back this season. In what you said, he's going to come back in the middle of December for what? These guys are under 500. They're not going to save the day with winning the rest of their games. They would really have to win out and be in the hunt and so on and so forth. The Jets are a bad team overall. And by the time next year comes around, Rodgers will be 40, going on 41. Like, I I don't know what they plan on doing. But now Hackett has to answer some questions, in which people were actually throwing that out there. Was Sean Payton right? Was Sean Payton right in calling out Nathaniel Hackett? And um, looking at how this offense looks, especially up against the Dolphins, where the Dolphins' defense isn't the best, they they couldn't do anything in this game. Um, Mike, I'm going to come to you. I do have a caller in queue as well. Your thoughts on some of the, well, the games. Let, let's just talk about some of the games from Thursday and Friday, from the Lions game all the way down to the Jets game on Friday. Well, I thought that – I thought Green Bay came out very aggressive, which I feel like they had to do against that uh, Lions team. Uh, Christian Watson finally showed up, making a couple plays on uh, a couple 50-50 balls early. You know, I I think that Green Bay believes or has a little bit more belief now that maybe they can hand the keys to uh, Jordan Love for this franchise, I don't know. I think to, still to be decided. But I thought they came out aggressive, which they had to do. Uh, you knew the Lions uh, were just too good not to get back in that game. But you're right, turnovers from Goff, uh, not good. As far as Rivera, there are a lot of things you can get away with in, in Washington, uh, which we know. But getting beat by 35 points, uh, by one of your rivals and giving up 45 on a big stage like that is not one of them. So uh, I'm not surprised uh, that Jack Rio got Del Rio got the axe. Um, yeah, 49ers took care of business. It's, it's kind of what I expected. I don't know if I expected it to be uh, quite as lopsided as it was, but I expected them to win. And I got exactly what I expected from. Miami yesterday taking care of the Jets. I agree with you. Like uh, Tim Boyles is not a great quarterback at all. Um, I don't know that they'd have been any worse for wear uh, if they had played uh, Zach Wilson. And you're right, this offense does not look good. Uh, you put, you're putting a lot on uh, Aaron Rodgers' shoulders, but this is just kind of a lost season. Uh, for the New York Jets. So, um, you know, Miami took care of business, did what they were supposed to do. Uh, they have really haven't beaten a winning team yet this year, but they're doing what they have to do to <clears throat> stay in contention and possibly win that division. 
and that game did take place on Friday. It wasn't, it wasn't yesterday. Yesterday was Saturday. But nevertheless, I do have James in the building. James, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling good today, Ty. How about yourself? Just trying to hold it together, brother. So um, let's start from the top on Thursday going into Friday, and then we'll start getting into the games for today. Your thoughts on the first three matches on Thanksgiving and then the – game between the Dolphins and the Jets on Black Friday. So, um, so Lions and Packers, it, it is showing a pretty strong example of one of the major weaknesses with the Detroit Lions team, and that's a mobile quarterback. They seem to be doing okay with your standard drop-back passers, but once they, um, once they run into a mobile quarterback, they they don't always lose, but they tend to struggle. Even with the very, very bad Chicago Bears team, they had trouble working against a um, against uh, Justin Fields. They had a tr- they had trouble with Jordan Love, even though he's not exactly the world's most mobile. He's mobile enough to cause the Lions trouble, which makes the back end of the season um, really problematic if they can't fix that. But James Houston is going to be back and that might fix that situation a little bit. Um, and also the multiple, multiple attempts on fourth down. Yes, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You can't give him credit for going for it and making it and then you know, kind of beat him down for going for it and not making it. But I think he's got to find a better balance on when to take that risk on fourth down. He was doing it a little too much, and the game wasn't, like, entirely out of reach yet. The Dallas Cowboys game, um, the Dallas Cowboys have a very, very long um, track record at this point on beating down um, bad to mediocre teams and falling apart against good teams. So they have to do that against a good team um, before I can consider that at all impressive. And then the night game, San Francisco just dominated them with Debo in the lineup with um, their, that offensive line back complete. They're still one of the more dangerous teams in the NFC, right up there with the Eagles. And then the um, – and I'm with you 100% as far as the Jets game, the Jets-Dolphins game. This defense is very good. Um, even though they didn't show it this Friday, this is probably a top-10 defense in the NFL being held back by probably one of the five worst offenses in the NFL. Um Yes, whenever you lose a quarterback, it definitely changes things for the worse, but it does fall on Nathaniel Hackett. He was unable to develop an offense in Denver. He is unable to develop an offense in um, in New Jersey. And I even question that if Rodgers was still there, Yes, they'd have a better record. That's obvious because you can't make a jump that level in in quarterback play and not make a difference. But the only difference that I would see is that Aaron Rodgers would be able to change the play calling at the line to 
to to fix how Nathaniel Hackett messed up. That's the only difference I think this would make. So at this point, they need to find somebody who can handle the offensive side of the football because that person is not currently with the Jets organization. I, uh, I don't know how they, they get him to dodge his bullet week after week. I don't know what this is all about, but um, it's bigger than Zach Wilson. And no matter how they look at it, they said they were going to run Tim Boyle back to be the starter again next week. And behind him is Trevor Simeon. I, I don't know what the Jets want to do right now. They, it gets worse for them. They're trying to fake bring Aaron Rodgers back. Don't even entertain that anymore. Put him in the skybox and let him watch the game from up there. There's no need to keep a camera in his face and be like, oh, well, they're anticipating this, they're anticipating that. I'm tired of it. I've had enough of it. Um, but my breakdown on the Lions situation, um, obviously golf got to get better. Enough is enough now. Now it's like a lot of people have talked junk about him from when he left the Rams and how he's questionable with the ball and, how he can't play in cold atmosphere, his hands are small, so on and so forth. That wasn't a problem for the past year and a half. Now the last two games he's turning the ball over. Uh, he's been hit. I think that's what makes him erratic. And um, this, this is troubling at the wrong time. Um, he has to get it together. There's nobody behind him. Um, as much as James would want Teddy Bridgewater to get in the game, I'm not content with Teddy Bridgewater coming in and save us right now at this point in time. Um the one thing that I question is they look at Ben Johnson being this offensive juggernaut, offensive coordinator, which he is. Why the hell did they stop running the ball? Why did the Lions stop running the ball? You mean to tell me that David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs have been a one-two ten and one of the better packages in the backfield to run the ball, and you won't let these guys run everything with Jared Goff passing all day long. And they, they, their linebackers can't keep up with Jameer giving them. Every time he dropped back, they were sending a rush for Jared Goff. So you guys are really trying to let Jared Goff be the MVP of this team. Um, I, I question that. I, they have to get back to the basics. This is what got Detroit along was the run game. Even even me, myself, earlier in the season, I'm like, damn, they're running the ball a lot. Like, but the run set up the passing game. They got so pass heavy, they forgot about the two guys that got them there. That's that's the question that I have about Detroit at this point in time. They got to get this fixed. They go on the road up against the same team and trying to figure out their identity as well next Sunday. The next game I'm talking about is with the Cowboys. I, I don't even know how to talk about that game. Um, as much as there's good players on the commanders, they should not have been blown out that bad. And just like I spoke of with Del Rio getting the axe, it, 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 it was a long time coming. But I don't know how this turns things around with everything that's going on in D.C. at this point in time with new ownership. They got a new D.C. going to have to come back in the door. Who knows they do a Rivera. A lot of people are trying to talk junk about the enemy. I thought that that was going to be the enemy's job when Rivera gave it up. They have so many questions to answer down there. It's not funny. But right now you could tell that organization is still in disarray at this point in time, especially with the Cowboys cruising. But I do agree with you, James, that uh, the Cowboys are winning a lot, but they're playing teams that don't have successful records. So that is the question if it does lie in the month of January. So we'll see how it pushes in the month of December and January to see how they play play these teams and finish out the schedule. And um, Seattle got crushed at the end of the day. I, I got to give San Francisco their credit. 
to go into that division rivalry and not only win that game and win big. Um, Seattle needed this to stay like step for step with San Francisco and could not do it. This, this rivalry has become big and, and knowing from all of the NFC championship games or the Sherman breakup, so, so many different things. San Francisco, I feel like that game redeemed themselves uh, moving into that game. So I got to give San Francisco their credit. And at the end of the day for what happened with the Jets and uh, with Nathaniel Hackett, one on my fantasy football team, and I, I, I hate to get personal, I picked up in the draft Dalvin Cook. Started out in the draft. Do you know this guy barely gets time at all? Why is Dalvin not getting time? He was one of the premier running backs in the league. They squandered him. He's he's nothing. Brees Hall is the feature back. And to me, I still feel Dalvin's better than Brees Hall, but they don't give him the opportunity to carry the ball. In which, in this game up against the Dolphins, now they have Dalvin Cook in the game. Now Dalvin Cook is playing measurable minutes in this matchup. It's like, what the hell is going on in New Jersey in the green jersey? All together, red, white, and blue, or in green and white, they both organizations need to figure this out. It is horrible. But for Nathaniel Hackett to keep dodging the bullet, for them to keep shooting at Zach Wilson, and Zach Wilson sitting over there in, in his big old football coat and watching that offense still suffer and Tim Boyle can't get a pass off or when he does drop back, he looked just as bad. It was like, well, um, Nathaniel Hackett has some questions to answer for me. So um, I feel bad for the Jets. This season is lost. Um, I don't know how much saving you think Aaron Rodgers is going to do in the year 2024 to help turn this thing around, but they are not the Super Bowl contending team that you guys are hoping for, especially with him to be 40 going on 41 next season. So those are the questions that I do have for at least the games that did go down. Calling in from the west coast of the United States, I have breaking news, Brian Hughes in the building. Brian, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Good, man. Doing good. Uh, had a little bit of a late night, so I apologize. Got a late start. Um, but uh, I'm in between some uh, obligations, and I, I wanted to check in with you guys. I've been listening to you for a little bit now, and um, I, I, know, I know you must be disappointed. But uh, I'm sure you guys probably already talked about this, and I'm sure James <laughs> doesn't want to go back to it. But, Ty, I got I to gotta tell you, man, I watched – I watched Michigan and Ohio State, and I couldn't help but take away exactly what you said on the air here five days ago, which was Ohio State's quarterback is terrible. You take McCarthy oh, and you put him on Ohio State, Ohio State wins that, wins that game. It was, it was so bad, the, the passes and the decision-making – and it, it wasn't a blowout. Congrats to Ohio State. Michigan was not able to just run all over them. It was a tight competitive game, but when you have a tight competitive game, you need your playmakers to step up. Marvin Harrison can't step up on his own. Unfortunately, he needs uh, somebody to help him do that. And uh, Ohio State better find a quarterback. And by the way, Auburn, Alabama, I heard a lot of people talking about Alabama should be in the top four. Mm. I think that game pretty much solidified their fate, even though they won the game. Okay, if you want to speak on it, you can. Otherwise, I'm going to talk. I'm going to get you to talk about Thanksgiving weekend, and then we're going to get right into the game. You're you're good. Go ahead, man. I just want to just want to throw that out there. All right. So your thoughts on the games from Thanksgiving and Black Friday, and then I'll get into the roundup of today. 
So I heard you guys pretty much talk about all these games, so I don't want to beat a dead horse, but what I will say is this. I learned a few things about each of the teams, okay? The first one is Detroit, okay? You know as well as I do, we've had, we had a conversation where you said, I want the Niners this year in the playoffs. That's the team I want. I want the Niners in the playoffs. Give me the Niners, you know, round one or two in Detroit. You know what? We're ready. You're not. I'm going to let you know right now, I think you guys can score with anyone in the league, but if you have a defensive line that can get pressure with four like Green Bay did, that's what ha- what's happened the last two or three weeks. Everybody thinks all of a sudden God's falling apart. I don't think it's that. I think you guys have went up against teams that can get pressure on the quarterback, and your O-line has not done a very good job of protecting. So the defense, the defense, you know what, obviously giving up 29 points to, to Green Bay, you'd say, you know, that's a lot. But I feel like Green Bay in a lot of ways is, is starting to figure things out. I think Jordan Love has made a lot, like, leaps the last three or four weeks and has looked really good against the Chargers and then this week against um, the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are going to have to figure out their blocking scheme because if you have a good defensive line, which Philly and San Francisco does, and that's essentially who you're going to have to beat in order to get to the Super Bowl, I think Detroit's going to struggle offensively because they can't do the things they want to do, which is throw the ball and throw the ball down the field. I totally agree with you that Gibbs and uh, Montgomery need to be a larger piece to the pie, not just not just running the ball, but play action, screens, things like that in order to slow that pass rush down. So they're going to they're gonna have to work on that. Um, Washington Commanders, you know I said this, and this could be an upset-type game. Uh, Washington literally looks like they've packed it in, like at this point, honestly. Like this game, the, the one thing nobody knows if you didn't actually watch the game is, like this game was like a one-score game, like all the way till the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, Dallas just, you know, put on, decided to go ahead and put on, you know, put their foot on the gas and just basically accelerate away. Um, th- there's really not much more to say than that. Um, you know, how how continues to throw for a lot of yards, but there are a lot of empty yards. They really are. And, and he's, thrown, he's thrown interceptions a couple times uh, in the last few games and really critical junctures of the game. And he continues to get sacked three, four, five, six, seven times a game. Um, I just, you know, we'll see what they do. But I just don't know how you can honestly evaluate a quarterback that's sacked 70 times in a season, which is where he's probably going to end up. Kudos to Dallas. Kudos to Deron Bland for setting the all-time pick six, you know, um, record with six in a season. Um, Dallas is taking care of business. Uh, and I, everything you guys said is accurate. You know, they, you know, let's see them do that against a Niners, uh, a Detroit, uh, you know, a Baltimore uh, Philly, you know, let, let's see them do it against somebody that maybe is, you know, not a, a you know, not a little kid on the, the playground that's as easily able to be pushed over. You mentioned my Niners, so I won't go too in-depth other than to say divisional game on the road, in my opinion, the second hardest place to play in in the entire NFL, 
and uh, there's no team that Seattle fans hate more than the Niners. And for them <clears throat> to be able to come away with a victory in the fashion that they did, especially after having some miscues, you know, a pick six inside the 10-yard line, um, Brock to be able to come back and make that dot of a throw in the fourth, um, you know, was big time. And then Miami Jets, you know, bottom line is Miami did pretty much what we thought they were going to do, and the Jets did pretty much what I think we all thought they were going to do. I mean, you guys mentioned all the key stuff. I, I, I think the Jets, I, I think the Jets honestly are are not as good of an offensive team as we had originally thought, but I disagree with James slightly. I do think although I've mentioned I wouldn't bring him back just because you have a contract with him for more than one year, I do think that Aaron Rodgers would make this team look differently. You have to remember, a lot of these pieces, a lot of this scheme, a lot of this stuff was set up for Aaron Rodgers. So Rodgers has a much keener idea of what his hot routes are, of where he wants to go, of what his receivers, how they run their routes, things like that. You have to understand, this is no different than Zach Wilson coming into the league year one, learning an offense and being thrown in there. Because this is a completely different offense. This is a completely different offense that he had his rookie year. So to that degree, um, you know what? The Jets quarterbacks haven't gotten it done. Um, and I'm not giving him a pass. I'm just saying it. I, I, do, I do think there would be a difference. Obviously, not if Aaron Rodgers is hobbled. But if he's Aaron Rodgers, I, I think he would. I think he would play, you know, like you would expect Aaron Rodgers to play. He knows that offense a lot better. But there is some really, really good games on the slate this uh, this Sunday, and I'm still keeping a, a heavy eye on the Bills and the Eagles. You know I'm getting there. You, wait, you know I'm going to get to that. Like you got to slow down. Now you know I'm going to do that. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, so let's get into it since Brian's already reaching at the rolls on this table. Jesus Christ. The first matchup I have are the New Orleans Saints in Atlanta up against the Atlanta Falcons, a division rivalry in which the Saints are favored on the road by two. I'll go to you first, James. Your thoughts on this game? Who do you like and why Saints or Falcons? I am going to um, take the Saints. Uh, Desmond Ritter is back under center. Uh, the last I knew for the Falcons, they're going to stick with that experiment that has been failing. Um, and it seems as though the league has kind of figured out the Falcons after some early success with just a unrelenting running attack and letting their defense kind of handle things in the background. It's no longer working. And eventually they're going to have to rely on Ritter to do something, and he just can't. So I am going to take the Saints. Brian, who do you like in this game, Saints or Falcons, and why? I will tell you, Ty, the, the, the interesting thing in this game, and this is something we talked about, is the Saints should win this game. They really should. But before the bye week, we talked about – how depleted the Saints defense looked, how they were staying on the field way longer than they should, how the offense wasn't very creative. And um, 
I don't know. You know what? Could it have changed? Yes. Is the defense less fatigued? For sure. But I think it's the same year when um, mental fatigue starts to set in as well. And I just feel like New Orleans is going to continue to struggle to score. Atlanta, if you look all year long, they have not been blown out in any games. They, they, they've been in the games. And I just feel like with that rushing attack, without Geary and uh, B. John Robinson, I think they're just going to slowly tick down New Orleans. And I think probably third, fourth quarter, they take the lead and they just don't give it up. So I think Atlanta's going to win this game. Mm. Why did Brian do that? Because I wanted to do the Falcons too, so I've got to go away from him. I'm going Saints. I thought that the Falcons could pull it off at home. Uh, they struggle on the road, but at home they're different. But um, I feel like the Saints offense can be legit and make this a hell of a game because uh, it is the end-division battle, and they are the 500 team at this point in time to stay afloat in the division. It's interesting that the Saints are still atop the division with the way that they've been up and down all season long. I'm going to go with the Saints. I wanted to do the shock value of the Falcons, but Brian did my trick. And if they win, just know I'm on the same page as Brian. I, I am on the same page as him. He's slick. Okay, Mike, your thoughts on your game? How do your boys pull it off? Or do the Falcons pull off the upset at home in the Mercedes-Benz Dome? You know, every week I say I'm not picking the Saints. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Uh, especially with Marshawn Lattimore going on injured reserve. Mike Thomas has gone on injured reserve too. Uh, but, I mean, to be quite honest, Mike Thomas has not made a huge difference on this team this year. The guy to really look out for, I mean, obviously we talked about Olave and other guys, but A.T. Perry, six foot six receiver, uh, is getting some significant minutes. Uh, he called a touchdown in the last game. I – Listen, Desmond Ritter has been pretty good at home for this team as far as he's won most of his home games. But, uh, man, I I can't go against my boys, man. I, I don't know how they pull it off, like I, uh, but I, I think the Saints find a way to win and continue. They, they've had really good luck against uh, Atlanta lately. So uh, I think that these are two very flawed football teams. To me, the recipe for the, the Falcons is a steady dose of uh, Bijan and not turning the ball over and, and doing just enough on defense to get this done. But I'm going to uh, go with New Orleans. I'm going to say who that nation uh, grounds the dirty birds uh, in Mercedes-Benz. Okay, coming right back to you, Mike. Your thoughts on the next game? The Pittsburgh Steelers in a division rivalry up against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers are favored by two and a half on the road. Who do you like and why? I do like the Steelers in this game. I I think, though, there's some really interesting things going on. I saw a big thing yesterday about a heated locker room uh, confrontation between Deontay Johnson and Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, Kenny Pickett's seat is getting warm at the quarterback position there. But, you know, Jake Browning, A.J. McCarron, come on. 
I, I just don't think, as bad as the quarterback situation might be in Pittsburgh, I think they have the advantage at that position. Um, I like Cincinnati's receivers, uh, and I think that uh, Pittsburgh can probably get a little bit more pressure on the passer as well. I think this is going to be an ugly game as well, but I think the Steelers went on the road today. Ryan, who do you like in this game, Steelers or Bengals? Yeah, I think Mike's right. I think this is an ugly game. You know, the fact that the fact that Joe Burrow's backup is playing and this is a toss-up game kind of tells you a little bit about where, you know, Pittsburgh is, honestly. I mean, I, I'm going to let you know right now, I, I, I don't envision either one of these teams scoring 20 points. This is going to be like a 13 to 10, you know, 14 to 10, 17, 14 type game. It'll be super close, and it'll come down to two things, Ty. Which team can run the ball better and which team has less turnovers? Like, that's literally what it's going to come down to. I'm going to go with the Steelers as well, but I don't feel good about it. I really don't. <laughs> it's you, you, you would think with a backup quarterback playing, you would feel good about that pick. If the Steelers turn the ball over, I'm telling you, it, the the Cincinnati Bengals can and will win this game. But I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh. They just got rid of Matt Canada, so the offense should be a little bit more hyped to try a little bit harder for uh, for the, the the new guys that are taking over. And so maybe we see an offensive explosion and they score 17. So I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh. James, who do you like in this game, Steelers or Bengals? I'm taking the Steelers, and I don't think it's going to be as close as you guys do. I think that the Steelers cover and cover by – I mean, I, I think they win by a touchdown or more, to be completely honest with you. Right now, the Bengals are beaten up on the – first of all, on the offensive side, Joe Burrow is not playing in the game. We all know that. But they're also missing some uh, strong pieces on defense. Mika Fitzpatrick is out. That could, um, like, stabilize things as far as the Pittsburgh Steelers go. But at the end of the day, um, the play calling is going to be different because Matt Cannon is not there. The better running team, like Brian said, it's going to probably come a lot down to the um, the running game. I trust the combo of Jalen Warren and Najee Harris over Joe Mixon. Um, so I, I do honestly think that the Steelers will win by seven or more. Okay, I will round out the crew and go against the grain. I think Cincinnati protects their house. Who they? I'm going with the Bengals to pull off the upset. I think Jake Browning could keep this Washington State thing rolling. Michael Penix, I'm on your side. Jake, got to do it, man. Jake, pull it off, man. And the reason why I'm doing this is because <laughs> I got Jamar Chase. So I need Jamar to go off. I need Jamar. Come on, Jamar, as much as possible. But um, this is going to be interesting because I still have my questions about Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett still has not impressed me yet, and this is a game of division rivalry where that defense knows him. So I feel like Cincinnati can make this a game. This is going to be an interesting game. I like what Brian said about the score being low. 
If it's low, I still feel like the Bengals still have a feasible shot to pull this off and knock them off. The next matchup I have, I do want to do it that way, but I'm not. The next matchup I have are the Carolina Panthers going into Nashville, Tennessee, up against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I'll come to you first on this one, Brian. Who do you like and why? The Panthers or the Titans? You know what, man? Listen, I, I would I would love to give you some kind of shock value, but I just haven't seen anything from Carolina all year long that would suggest to me that they are all of a sudden going to be able to somehow handle, you know, the running game and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and, and Hopkins has actually, the last few weeks with the quarterback change, has actually looked quite a bit better, as you guys know. Uh, <clears throat> it, 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 not to go off on a tangent, but tight. It, it is ironic, right? People forget that coming into the league, Bryce Young was, by all the media pundits, and even myself, I got sucked into the hype, but was clearly the generational talent. And then there was a large gap down to C.J. Stroud, who's probably going to not only win Offensive Player of the Year, but by the end of the year, if he keeps playing the way he's doing, probably going to have his name in the conversation for MVP um, with what he's done with Houston. Carolina has looked abysmal all year long. If they score 14, it might be it might be a season high. I'm not even going to look, and I know they probably have, but they just look atrocious. So, with that said, I think Tennessee wins this game. I, I think they win it pretty easily. Okay, Mike, who do you like in this matchup, Panthers or Titans? I'm going with the Titans at home, and because because of Derrick Henry, uh, because of Spears, and I think Hopkins can make some plays. Now, the Panthers do a pretty good job pressuring the quarterback, so we'll see. Uh, you know, if Levis can move a little bit outside the pocket. Uh, to your point, I'm not very impressed at all uh, with the Panthers. Um, I I do think that you know your your offense is is very limited when Adam Thielen, who has been fairly productive, is your number one option at the wide receiver position. I think he's your two or a three at this juncture of his career. Um, I, I'm, I haven't been super impressed with Bryce Young yet uh, this season. I will say, though, that uh, I, I, I think that you've got to give him some time before we write him off and say that, you know, he's not, he's not very good at all in his career. But, you know, time will tell, and, and time may tell the same story that, that you're talking right now, breaking news. So, so I, I just think a little bit more time needs to – to happen there, but with two ugly teams, man, and, and two teams that are clearly in rebuild mode right now, I'll favor the team at home, and uh, I think the Titans and, you know, I've seen Nashville home happy today. Okay, uh, James, your thoughts on this game? Uh, Panthers or Titans? Um, I'm also taking the Titans. Um, if the Panthers actually had their first-round pick, I would honestly suggest they are tanking, but at this point, uh, they're probably not. But they made they made a huge mistake that they they took a risk. They made the big mistake trading a 
let's say, above-average wide receiver and multiple first-round draft picks um, for the chance to go up and try to build what they did back in um, in 2022, and that risk very much did not pay off. Um, the Titans are starting a new era with Will Levis, and since Brian did his own mea culpa, um, I'm going to do one myself. I thought it was very apt that Will Levis sells to the second round, and I thought that even guys like Hendon Hooker were better prospects. And I could still be right on that particular point, but right now Will Levis is clearly the better quarterback over Ryan Tannehill. And at this point, it's still uh, – at this point, the seasons are changing. Winter is here, and this is when the Tennessee Titans tend to play their best football. So I'm going with the Titans. I agree. Make it a clean sweep. I'm going with the Titans as well. Uh, Just like Brian said, the Panthers have not been able to muster up a 21-point game at all. If they could, I think this would be a game. But for them to be in the middle of Nashville, this is that's a big ask at this point in time. And to be fair to Young, um, he was the better quarterback coming out of college, and he's on a team that is suffering, and that is the Panthers. So that's to be fair. Um, if they were a better team, then he could do something with it. But it's like he has to, you know, make, you know, the chicken crap stuff. Like I don't even want to be too graphic. But that that's what he's dealing with right now in Charlotte right now, other than Thielen, because I have Thielen on my fantasy team, and Thielen is putting up a whale of points, like Mike said. Other than him, there is nobody else in that offense that's doing anything. Anything. So it's like you got to be fair to what Young is dealing with at this point in time with that team. So I'm I'm going with the Titans and oh yeah, shout out to Levis, Connecticut Cat, for real. The next match we have is a very interesting game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going into Indy up against the Colts. The Colts are favored by two and a half at home. Uh, James, your thoughts on this game? Who do you like and why, Buccaneers or the Colts? James, can you hear me? I can. I just was struggling to get myself off of mute. Um, so I'm going to – I do not trust Baker Mayfield at all, and I think I don't think I've picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in any game, in spite of the fact that they won four of them. I think I might have picked them once all season. I'm going to keep with that tradition. I think that the um, the real question of this game is in the trenches. I believe that the Indianapolis Colts have arguably one of the better offensive lines in the league versus arguably one of the better defensive lines in the league. Both teams are weak at the quarterback position um, and are strong at running back. So these are two teams that mirror each other very well. But I think at the end of the day, I am going to go with Colts mostly because they're at home. Okay, Mike, who do you like in this game and why? Tampa or Indy? I was sure I do. I just did the same thing James did. I was talking on mute. I go back and forth on this game, man, because I think this game's going to see some points. I think that both teams are going to be able to throw the ball. I think that uh, we're going to see production on both sides. And at the end of the day, 
I think Tampa finds a way to get this done. But I really feel extremely confident either way I am watching. So you're going with the Bucks. Mike, you're going yeah, with I'm Tampa, right? Going, I, I, yeah, I'm going with the Bucks, but I don't like it. But, yeah, I'm going with them for sure. This is a very tough game for me. I'm not going to lie because both of these teams could win this game. Uh, I feel like Jonathan Taylor is finding his stride. I don't know how much, you know, confidence I have in Garner Mitchell, but I feel like him being at home makes it interesting. This is a game that Baker Mayfield can make a name for himself, like, at least for today. At least for today up against this Colts team that just got rid of some players as well, too. So this is a tough one for me. Um, I am going to go with the Colts. I'm going to go with the home team. Um, Just because I feel like that ball control could happen with Taylor, I feel like that they could slow this game down and take this game out of Baker's hands and uh, force the issue uh, and put a lot of, you know, third down long uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though I don't think there's a corner on Indy's side that can handle Mike Evans because Mike Evans has turned it on lately. Uh, If you haven't watched him, this guy has actually been putting together a phenomenal season as usual. So um, I'm going to go with the coach to to go with the home team, but this is a tough one for me. I'm not going to lie. The next matchup we have are the New England Patriots coming into East Rutherford, New Jersey, up against the New York Giants. The battle of two different Super Bowls within the past couple of seasons. Um, this is a very interesting game because both of these teams are garbage. Uh, I will go first on this one. Oh my goodness, this is tough. I'm going to go with the Patriots. <laughs> Belichick, don't let me down, man. Don't let me down, man. As much as I feel like that, you could actually try to make this tough for Devito. I know Devito might become a hero if he knocks you off in the middle of New Jersey, but Mac Jones, this is your last and final call to make some do on this season. Uh, Somehow, someway, the Patriots have to have a decent game. Somehow, someway. I I feel like they have the better experience, and I feel like they can put pressure on the quarterback. I'm going with the Patriots to win this one. Um, Mike, who do you like in this game, Patriots or Giants? You know, this is not an easy game to pick either. There's not a whole lot of real, real easy games this week. Uh, but to me, I, I felt like I could have seen DeVito having a performance like he did last weekend in this game, but because he had it last weekend, I don't believe he can do it two weekends in a row. I'm not super impressed with, obviously, New England and what they've, been, what they've done so far this year. Uh, but at the end of the day, I still think the Patriots somehow find a way to to get this game. Uh, these are two ugly uh, – I mean, these are two not very good football teams uh, playing today. But I'll go with the Patriots. Woo-hoo. Two of us for the Patriots. Okay. Um, Sports City, just to let you know, Brian had to fall off. Brian picked the Giants in this game. He also picked the Colts in the last matchup as well. I have his rest of his lineup as well. James, your thoughts on the game for today, the Patriots at the Giants. Who do you like and why? So I I just took a quick look at this game, and I just I, – I don't know how I was being such a big NFL guy, didn't realize this, but 
the Giants somehow have a better record than the Patriots? Paint me surprised. Um, the Giants have the worst pass, passing offense in the league, the second worst overall defense in the league, and I think they've ranked 28th in offense. The only thing that's a saving grace for the New York Giants is specifically Saquon Barkley in that rushing offense. Everything else is trash. Meanwhile, the Patriots have one of the best defenses in the league and some well below average everything else. So I'm going to go with the Patriots as well. Um, I don't think Tommy DeVito is ready to win a second game for this team. I'm going the Pats. Okay, the next one is a very interesting matchup. I like this one a lot. I really do like this one, and this is going to be a tough one. The Jacksonville Jaguars are playing in the middle of Houston up against the Texans and a hot C.J. Stroud. Who do you go with? Do you go with Trevor Lawrence or C.J. Stroud? Both of these guys are lighting this thing up, and the Jags are 7-3 and at this point in time, and the Texans could actually get to 7-4 if they pull this off. The Jags are favored in Houston by a point and a half. To me, this is basically a pick em. I'll actually go first. I'm going to go with the Texans to protect their house. I have to do it. i got to do it. I want to see the upset and knocking this Jaguar team off, and they got the crowd on their side. I'm going with the Texans. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this game? Jags or Texans and why? So, believe it or not, uh, for the second straight game, I'm going with you. This team played – these two teams played in Jacksonville, and I know they're different teams now, kind of. But, you know, when they played earlier this year, the Texans beat them by 20. And so, to me, uh, I think that, you know, C.J. Stroud finally looked uh, a little bit like a rookie in his last outing, but I think he bounces back. Uh, at home, I, I think this is going to be a much more competitive game. I don't expect it to be a three-score game uh, like it was last time. But I think that the C.J. Stroud and the Texans win this game in a shootout. But I, I think this could be a close game, and I, I think this could be a very entertaining football game today in this early spot. Ryan is taking the Jaguars, and he said the Jags need the game more for the split. Okay, so I got you written down here, Brian. James, your thoughts on this game? Jacksonville at Houston. Um, I'm also taking Houston. Um, They are statistically better in every category except for rushing offense. Um, This is a – they were – they're both teams that grew a lot since their last meeting, uh, like Mike talked about back on September 24th. Meanwhile, I believe this is still accurate that the Jaguars may have the the longest winning streak currently active in the NFL. But I think that ends today with the Houston Texans and um and CJ Stroud coming into his own ongoing Houston. Okay, the next matchup we have are the Cleveland Browns going into Denver up against the Broncos. 
The Broncos are sitting at five and five at five hundred after the start that they've had, and the Browns are seven and three. The Broncos are favored by two at home. Um, Brian went with the Browns uh, on the road to knock off the Broncos. I'm going to take the Broncos. The Broncos have been playing good football at this point in time. They're at home, and I feel like the pressure that they can amount for the Browns at this point in time puts a lot on DTR. It is not Deshaun Watson. It is still the youngster DTR that they got to try to get it done through. I think the Broncos will muster up one of those 22-21 scores again. They're winning games by one point and doing just enough to give not only Sean Payton, but Russell Wilson more confidence and makes this even more interesting in the AFC West. I'm going with the Broncos to keep this team rolling. Um, Mike, your thoughts on this game? Browns or Broncos? Okay, so before I make this pick, let me say that the Broncos are one of the teams in the NFL that uh, I I have not picked to win in any of the weeks that they've won this week. So, I mean, this year. So, in in any of the games that they have, have won, I have missed. So, I, I've been I've missed on this team a lot. Uh, that being said, I think, obviously, they have the edge at the quarterback position. Uh, but I like the Browns' defense. And I think that if the Browns can run the ball and play solid defense, I think that they could do enough to get this done. So, I'm going to go with uh, breaking news, Brian Hughes. I'm going to say the Browns win in Denver today. Okay, so he went Browns. James, who do you like in this game and why? Browns or Broncos? I'm going with you, Ty. I'm going with the Broncos. Um, This Broncos team has developed leaps and bounds from where they were at the start of the season, and Sean Payton was making the comments about Nathaniel Hackett, which are slowly becoming true. Even though they lost in the head-to-head matchup, the Broncos have been steadily improving um, throughout the entire season. Meanwhile, the um, the Jets have just been getting worse and worse and worse. And I think that has a lot to do with coaching. Not Robert Sala. We know who I'm talking about. Meanwhile, the Browns have developed one of the best deep – actually, I might – even argue the best defense in the league. Actually, statistically, they are the best defense in the league um, under the tutelage of Jim Schwartz, but offensively, they have just been brutalized by injury. Um, BTRs starting at quarterback with Deshaun Watson for the season. Um, Kareem Hunt is currently kind of taking the RB1-ish kind of role um, along with Jerome Ford, but it's not going to be enough. I'm going to take Denver. Okay, the next matchup we have are the Los Angeles Rams going into the toaster up against the Arizona Cardinals. This is a very interesting division battle. Who wants it more? Can the Cardinals play upset, or do the Rams continue to roll? They are actually trying to make this interesting at the latter part of the season. James, I'll come to you first on this one. Rams or Cardinals? So, 
the Rams have every reason in the world to win this game. They have an outside chance at giving getting themselves a playoff berth. Maybe not even the seventh seed. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have two first-round picks, and one of them is their own, and they're on track to get the number one overall pick. So the only reason is if Kyler Murray makes himself go God-tier and prevents himself from losing his job, which is possible. The Cardinals have been a lot better since Kyler's return, but that has still not led to a win yet. And I don't think it's going to this week. I'm taking the Rams. Okay, Mike, who do you like in this game and why? Cardinals or Rams? I, I agree with a lot of what James just said. Uh, I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see Kyler Murray uh, through the last half of this season and what he can do as far as to this team, you know, with these two first-round picks uh, to make a decision on whether or not he's their guy at the quarterback position. But there's a man in the middle of that Rams defense that, uh, you know, quarterbacks have nightmares about. So uh, for all the reasons you just mentioned, and because they have a lot more on the line, I I think the Rams win this game. I think maybe the Cardinals make it interesting, but I think the Rams do win. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a team that, I think have it once again, like you said, have a chance to be talked about in the in the playoff discussion. Not for the division, but at least in the playoff discussion. Uh, but that kind of goes by the wayside if they don't pull this out today. So I think they'll take care of business in the toaster. Brian has also went with the Rams as well. I'm going against the grain. I'm going with the Cardinals to pull off the upset, one of those shock value type of games where – Everybody's going against the grain saying that the Rams are going to knock them off and then here goes Kyler Murray going crazy and making it difficult for that defense. As long as he can stay away from Aaron Donald, I think this is a shootout game between him and Stafford. And I'm going with Kyler Murray to pull off the upset for the day. I'm going against the team. I'm going with the Cardinals to pull this off. The next matchup we have are the Kansas City Chiefs going into Las Vegas up against the Raiders. Is there anybody here that believes the Raiders can protect their house up against the Chiefs. Nope. Especially if Max Crosby isn't playing, but even with him. Nope. Nope. Next game. All righty. The next matchup we have are the Buffalo Bills. Then the game of the day for me. Up against the Philadelphia Eagles in the link. Who do you guys like and why? I'll come to you first, Mike. Bills or Eagles? You know, kind of for the same reason I took them last week. Uh, I like the Eagles. Uh, you know, I think that they really got tested last week and had to pull it out late. Uh, I think this team learns from that. Uh, this Bills team, though, it, it's really funny because we've talked about, you know, how they struggled and how their window may be closing. Uh, and even though they've lost some games they shouldn't have, this Bills team finds a way to really play up to its competition sometimes and at least make things close. I expect this to be a very, very competitive game today. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, I just trust the weapons on, on Philly's offense and I like their defense better than I do Buffalo's and they're at home. So uh, put all those things in, in the pod together and, and I'll take the Eagles. James, who do you like in this one? Your home area of New York or Philadelphia, your old stomping grounds. Who do you like? 
Oh, this one's tough. Um, I think I'm going to go with Philly on this one. The Bills definitely need this game more, but two aspects kind of, like it's hard to pick against Philly in any given game. They will lose eventually, and the Bills could be that team, but they're also at home. So it's hard for me to pick against a team that's playing this well and doing so at home. I think the Eagles win it. As much as I want to say the Bills, I'm, I got to go to the Eagles. Um, I don't think they have enough on defense to stop uh, A.J. Brown and them. Um, even though I want the Bills to fight their way back into this season because their schedule is so brutal for them to try to make it, uh, they have a lot of work to do. Um, but I, I don't think it happens. I'm going I'm going with Philadelphia as well. As much as I want to, Brian actually took the Bills in this matchup, just to let you guys know. Um, the last matchup for the day, for Sunday, are the Baltimore Ravens going into Los Angeles up against the Chargers. Who do you guys like and why? I'll come to you first on this one, Mike. Ravens or Chargers? You know, this is going to be an entertaining game, I think, because uh, I, I do think the Chargers have an, uh, an explosive enough offense to put up some points. Uh, we know what Baltimore brings to the table. This is their first game, really, uh, maybe a second, to play without uh, Mark Andrews and to try to, you know, figure out, you know, where some of that offensive production comes from. But at the end of the day, Chargers are going to charge her. So I will say, uh, quote the Raven nevermore when it comes to uh, a Chargers victory today. Uh, I'll take the Ravens tonight. Okay, James, who do you like in this matchup, Ravens or Chargers? I'm also taking the Ravens for the same reason I'm taking the Eagles. They will lose a game eventually. They're not going to be undefeated for the rest of the season, but – The Chargers have a defensive problem, and Brandon Staley, who was supposedly a defensive genius, has not done anything to turn that defense around. In fact, they are the 29th best defense in the league statistically. Meanwhile, they are going against the Baltimore Ravens team that is seventh on offense, third on defense, and best. uh, league best in rushing. I I think the Ravens win, and I don't think it's going to be close, even in L.A. I'm going Ravens as well. Don't forget what just happened last week. Joey Bosa's out. They don't even have Bosa on that front line anymore. Um, They're going to need every last little piece of that defense to stop Lamar and Lamar has been successful up against uh, Justin Herbert in past meetings. But I got two words for you that I still sell doom for the Chargers. Brandon Staley, period. That, that, that's all I have. That's all. Yo, he, he was he hot support- last week in that press conference, too. He was hot. This guy's on his way out, yo. But he, we knew that for a while. But if you saw him in that press conference last week, I thought he was going uh, to lose it, yo. Again, like I said, two words, Brandon Staley. 
And if he loses big today, you guys better watch his job. You better watch his job because I think the Chargers may end up falling out of playoff contention, how heavy the AFC is right now for the playoff picture. And uh, for this season to be lost like that, this, this is incredible. And it's at his feet. Everybody in the world sees it, and he doesn't want it. But um, it's, this is the season to be given. So uh, happy holidays right now, Brandon. You better pull this out of the hat. I'm going with the Ravens. Okay, so it's Ravens across the board. The last matchup we do have is the Monday night matchup with the Chicago Bears going into Minnesota up against the Minnesota Vikings in a division rivalry on Monday night. Um, I need you guys to give me your picks on this game, and we'll get ready to shut this thing down. Um, James, I'll come to you first on this one. Bears or Vikings? I'm going with the Vikings. Um, I still think um, Josh, the trade for Josh Dow is going to play um, massive dividends. If they win this game against the Bears, I have a feeling we see Justin Jefferson back next week. If they don't, then it's all but questions. As far as a shout-out, um, I'm going to shout out the uh, the head of the Port City Chef League. Can you tell me who that is, Ty? Um, you got me beat. Who is it? Who, who well, I guess is I can take you into this. Uh, oh wait! Oh wait! It's me, me, the top of the Sports City Chefs Fantasy Football League. Oh, that's just great! Shout out to me. <laughs> He's hilarious. He's hilarious. He is too much. It's okay. It's okay. Sports City, he thinks he's funny. Don't worry. People will laugh. Laugh. He's up right now. Don't worry, Sports City. Um, Brian just hit me up to let me know his last pick was the Vikings. He took Minnesota up against Chicago. Um, Mike, give me your pick on this game and a closeout as well. Bears or Vikings? Man, I really hope uh, that controversy doesn't dislocate his shoulder, uh, patting himself on the back there, <laughs> and, then end up, and then end up on the IR in the playoffs. So uh, we'll see <laughs> We'll see what happens there. Uh, but – you know, so some close matchups and a lot of things can be can happen uh, as far as in fantasy. So we'll see what happens there, man. I like the Vikings in this game. Uh, you know, we talked about this this team. Impressive performances by this team this year. They've overcome injuries and still still been able to keep their head above water. Uh, Timus's mom is going to be happy on Monday night uh, when the Vikings win this. Uh, Division battle, so shout out to uh, shout out to Thomas's mom on the on the Sunday morning brunch. Uh, I think you'd be happy on on Monday night. Uh, that being said, man, uh, SportsCityChefs.com. Check out the blog website. Everything we got going on there. Also, PHIapparel.co. Use promo code Chess to check out uh, for uh, promotions there. And you know, I know that this is Football Sunday. Uh, everybody's going to get. Uh, you know, deep into the NFL. Uh, but just as a as a quick program note, today on ESPN at 2 o'clock is one of the biggest uh, rivalries in college wrestling with Iowa and Iowa State. Iowa, hasn't, uh, Iowa State hasn't won this in 18, 19 years, though, and they might pull it off today. But good college uh, wrestling matchup today to 
if you got an extra screen or, or you know, want to watch something during commercials or whatever, it might be kind of fun to take a look at. Love that uh, basketball season's in full effect as well. Still love that we got most things going on, uh, most sports going on. Uh, free agency about to really kind of become uh, a big thing in, in baseball as well. So lots going on in the sports world. Uh, you know, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, man, I'm thankful for you, TP. Uh, without you, I wouldn't be here. Thankful for all the rest of the chefs. Breaking news, Brian Hughes uh, was in the building with us today. Controversy, uh, Mr. James Greenwood. All the rest of the chefs, man, Sirius Simmons, Barry, <clears throat> the villain Jordan, uh, Nate and Dave, who've been part of this since Chandler Night is my co-host on Roundtable Gumbo. Uh, all you guys, man, that are, are part of what we do. I'm thankful for all of you and for this platform and for having the opportunity to do this uh, week in and week out, man. And Vikings win tonight. Uh, Jaden Daniels uh, should really be in the Heisman discussion with a combined 50 touchdowns this year. And until next week, man, laissez-les-bon, Tom Roulet. Peace. Okay, Sports City. So this dude actually threw my mother in here, right? So let me tell you something about this lady. I don't care when it comes to football. <laughs> I don't care when it comes to it. She's a rival. I don't. I don't want to see them win. So just because Michael came here and did that, I'm going with the Chicago Bears to pull off the upset. Justin Fields tried to do it to Detroit the other week, last week or so, and uh, I feel like him and DJ Moore could put together an interesting game to make this a good game. Joshua Dobbs has been on a magic carpet ride, and I don't blame him one bit. This is one hell of a story to watch. I got to give him a ton of credit, but my question is still in front of how that defense runs with Brian Flores. Yes, he's upped it a little bit, but I still feel Chicago can be effective. I think Komet and uh, DJ Moore can make this interesting, and if Justin Fields sees what he sees, he can pick up yards as well. Hopefully he can continue to turn this season around and make it interesting for the Bears. I'm going with the Bears. I'm going against the green. Everybody else went with Minnesota for this matchup. So what if she likes the Vikings? She know it's a dog fight between me and her in this division. She is a division rival, so I'm coming for her regardless. I don't want her to win. She's been she's been taking care of business. Adrian Peterson. I, no, heck no. She's been heck no. She's been eating. She's been eating. Um, Four cities. Pay attention to everything that we got going on. That is for sure. NBA season's been lit. College basketball is back. College football is going crazy. I do not know how the top 25 is going to pan out. The committee has their hands full to see on how this bowl season comes together. The Heisman is going to be electric. I don't even know if they split this thing, if, if these guys continue to run the table as best as possible. Sports are at an all-time high. And like I always tell you all, it's nothing better than the bird month. The bird month is when it all goes down. Food for thought. Hopefully y'all still could do these dishes. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs. Kaboom! Sports city chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports City, Sports City Chefs, you chefs. Sports City, Sports City Chefs, you chefs. Yeah. Cabby. Todd. <laughs> Woo! Connecticut.